0: I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. I write to you fathers because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you little children because you know the Father. I have written to you fathers because you know Him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong, and the Word of God remains in you, and you have overcome the evil one. I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles today, to turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John, the, the letter to the 1 John people. I'm not sure where I was going with that. The Juanians, the I guess. We'd love you to follow along with us today. We've been in a series this summer. Uh, walking through this book, this letter of 1 John, because one of the things we'd like to do, we'd like to tackle around here, not all the time, but sometimes, especially during summer, it's a great time for it, is to go through a whole book. Go through a whole book of the Bible. We walk verse by verse, because what's so cool is when you get to do that, when you walk through the whole verse, you get to see some of these larger movements that are taking place in the the whole book, and you don't always get that chance if you just kind of, you know, grab a verse here or there. Um, And so, sometimes it takes multiple passages to sort of make everything come together. And, and it's interesting, as you go through entire books and you read, even your own personal Bible study, I encourage you, just pick a book and, and read through it. Take, take a week and read through the book. You start to see these different movements and how themes keep cycling back, and uh, you, build, you, you kind of build a trajectory there. And so today is actually a very interesting passage. I'm very excited about it. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 2, verse 12, in 1 John, right toward the end of your Bible. Um, now, up to this point, this is, this is what it's been looking like. This is the, the, uh, the first part of the chapter, chapter 2. And John has been tackling a lot of big themes uh, in the, these first two chapters uh, of this letter. We've seen the writer talk about light and love and life and darkness and hate and truth and sin. And then all of a sudden, today, it's like John stops right in the middle of, of this letter and he breaks into something, and it's actually in the form of poetry. It even looks different on the page, um, and and you just you probably, you just saw it uh, just read there during the offering. And he starts in chapter twelve, verse or chapter two, verse twelve. He says, "I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven on account of His name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young people." because you have conquered the evil one." This is how this section begins. John mentions three groups of people here, uh, children, fathers, and young people, you can see that. And now there's some fascinating things to to notice about this I wanna walk through. First of all, he starts by addressing little children. Now actually, he's he's not talking to to the kids' world of this church. Uh, This is actually a phrase that John uses nine times throughout this letter, and every time he uses little children, He's talking to the whole church. It's his way of addressing the whole church. So it's everybody. It's you and me. It's everybody in the church. Um, It's all the Christians. Second, notice he says, I'm writing you because your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. This word forgiven here is so cool. Uh, It literally means to be sent away to be sent away. Your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been sent away. It's the same word in other places in the New Testament used for divorce, when a spouse would send another, like kick him out of the house and send him away. That's what's happening here. Your, the sins, they're not here. Your sins have been sent away. They have been forgiven. That's how complete it is. Amen. Then he addresses fathers. And fathers here, uh, this would be the word for fathers and mothers and any kind of authority figure of the day, but he's not just addressing biologically fathers, older folks, but these people who are spiritually more mature. We might think of them like the church elders, like elders in our church, who these are our brothers and sisters that have been around the block a few times. They fought a few battles and we can all look to them for, for you know, to mentor the rest of us. These are those, those spiritually mature people in the church. He says, I'm writing you fathers. He says, because you know Him, who is from the beginning. Now, the word no here, uh, you know, okay, for, forgive us a little bit. You know, we like to dive into some of the, uh, the Greek and Hebrew around here because you're a very intelligent church, so I know you can handle it. Um, but this word no is the word gnosko. Gnosko. Everybody say it. Gnosko. It's kind of fun to say. Now, gnosko is not the kind, there's two different, there's a lot of different ways to say no in the Greek language. This one is not a kind of intellectual knowledge that you've just heard about. Or you learn about in a book, you know, you can proof text it in a debate or something like that. Gnosko is first-hand knowledge. It's personal experience, right? Like we said, the, he's talking to people who, who've, who've been around. They've, they've been in some battles. They have tasted, uh, you know, the spiritual warfare. So, you can, he's talking to people who can pass on what they've lived. They've tasted it. They've experienced it. And then he addresses the young people, and the word he uses here is just that. It's the word that we might would call young adults or something like that. In the Greco-Roman culture, these would be the people who were of uh, fighting age. You know, the age that they could serve in, in the military or something like to fight the battles. These are folks, uh, you know, sometimes with all the energy, but not yet all the wisdom. Um, we, you know, you know what that is like. And uh, and so, spiritually speaking, you say the same thing. These are Christians who have been they've been saved and they're experiencing spiritual warfare for themselves. And but what's awesome is what God, what John says to these young people. He says, you have conquered the evil one. You've conquered the evil one. I know you're out there fighting. I know you're battling, but you've already conquered the evil one. The word conquer, by the way, you know what it is? Nike. How cool is that? Nike. And, and it just, it means to overcome or be victorious. But the tense he uses here it implies that the battle has already been won. We're talking about a decisive victory in the past that spills over into the, into the present and then on into our future. So we're the overcomers. We're the Nike people, right? We've, we've already won. And by the way, the evil one here, this, this word Paneras, Paneras, kind of like the evil temptation that Panera Bread Company has over me when I drive by <laughs> calling to me. Not really. Uh, I don't think there's any relation. But anyway, but it, it sounds like it. Paneras is interesting because it's not just evil, it's… It's, um, it has to do with the sorrow and pain that is associated with evil. So, you know, how, you know we say that the, the wages of sin is death and, and there's consequences to our actions. You feel the consequences. You feel the pain. That's what Panaris is talking about. It's the agony that evil brings into the world. So it's not just the devil himself, but it's the misery that the fruit of evil is done in the world. And he says, you have overcome that. You've overcome the pain of evil. Then what John does is he repeats this stanza. He repeats it again with some slight differences. He says this, I write to you children, in verse 14, because you know the Father, and I write to you fathers on Father's Day, because you know Him who is from the beginning, and I write to you young people because you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So once again, he addresses children, fathers, and young adults with a couple of really curious differences. Now, he uses an entirely different word for children. There's a whole different word for children he uses here. The first time he uses the word, it's it's this word, technia, you don't care, but it's the word technia, which uh, refers to the whole church. We talked about that, you know, my little children. He talks, he calls everybody that. Now he switches words, and he uses the word padion, padion, which specifically means a child in training for something. And some of you might recognize this word if you're a Star Wars fan, because it sounds a lot like Padawan, right? The little Padawan, the Jedi apprentice. And George Lucas actually coined this word, Padawan. It's not a real word, but he coined it based on the Greek word. So, how cool is that? Um, So, what John is saying here is however old you are, you are a child in training. You are a child of God in training. And then to the fathers, he says again, You know God. He says the same thing, he repeats himself. And then to the young people, he repeats that they have overcome the evil one. But notice he adds, you are strong and the word of God abides in you. That word abides there is, is we see it all through the letter of John and also the gospel of John. He loves that word abides. It's when Jesus says to abide in him. He uses this word a lot and it means to live, to dwell, to exist. So the word of God lives in you. Now, why does John interrupt this letter? He's been giving us lots of good information here so far. He interrupts this letter so far to interject this sort of poetic kind of ode to the people he's talking to. And up to now, over the last uh, four weeks or so, we've explored some really, you know, some dense, deep words and topics. You could say that John has taken on a couple of different themes, and he's worn different hats. Sometimes it's like the writer is a witness in some of the Scriptures, how he begins the letter in chapter 1, when he says, I've seen something, and I've touched it, and I've experienced it, and I want you to hear about it, like he's given testimony in a courtroom. This has happened to us, and we've, we've seen, we've heard the Christ, and we want to tell you about it. I've heard other times, John gives an invitation And right away, and he's like, we invite you into this fellowship that we have, this love of God that's flowing to us, and we want it to flow to you, we want it to flow right back through you, back us, to us, to God. Sometimes the writer shifts into sort of teacher-professor mode. Um, He gives instruction, which is, you know, this, you know, children, this means this, and this means that, and he parses it out and explains it, and he puts, you know, things in their categories. Other times, John um, does something that's more like a correction, You know, he says there's, you remember we said in, in week one, I think, that uh, the scholars believe that there's been in this church some sort of a schism, some sort of, of um, <clears throat> uh, strife that has been going on, separation, and so sometimes in the letter, what the writer is doing is saying, okay, I'm calling out that. John says, I'm calling that out. People are saying this, that's not how it is, it's really like this. Uh, you might even say like a gentle rebuke, you know, you may have heard this, but they're incorrect, they're in error, here's the truth. Sometimes John is just reminding us of things, like when he says at the beginning of chapter two, uh, this is the command. Jesus said to love your neighbor. We're just bringing you a new command, which is an old command, right? But it's, a new, but it's an old. And so you have all of these different hats that John is wearing. And then we get to today's passage, and it's like everything changes. And I love this passage. I'm so glad I got to, I got to be the one to teach you this passage. Because it says, he says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven. It's almost like if you remember being in class or, you know, in college or something, the professor's been going at it. And at one point in the lecture, it's like the professor moves forward and and, and sits at the edge of her desk or something and says, okay, guys, now I've been telling you all this stuff. You know, I've been, you know, I want to tell you why I'm so passionate about this. You know, I've been teaching you chemistry or physics or, you know, whatever it is, romantic literature. And the professor says, okay, I've given you a bunch of things, but now.'" You know why I'm teaching you this, don't you? You know why I'm so passionate about why this matters to me. It's as if the writer, John, is saying, I've been talking about love. I've been talking about light and hate and sin and darkness. But you know why I'm writing. I'm writing to you because your sins have been forgiven. They've been sent away. You realize that? It's like John is saying, because you know, you know God, and you are strong. It's like he's just stopping to making sure you know you're strong, don't you? The Word of God lives in you. you. You realize you have overcome the evil one. Now, I can imagine, do you think there's probably anybody in that very first church, uh, you know, the church of the Juanians, whatever, that, that got the letter and they're reading it for the first time, anybody there who probably didn't feel strong? Was there anybody in the audience who probably felt weak? Yeah. Is there anybody in here today who feels weak? I'm sure. And John says, you are strong. He doesn't say, most of you are strong. Most of you, you know, we, you know, Willie and Sheila, y'all are weak. No, he doesn't say that, right? This is just for Ricky Bobby or whatever. No, no, no. He says, you, the church, all of you are strong. He doesn't say so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, y'all sins are forgiven, but you other guys, I wouldn't want to be you. No, your sins are sent away. The writer says, okay, I've covered a bunch of ground here, but hold on, hold on. Your sins have been sent away. You know God. You are strong. The Word of God lives in you. Now, Word of God, you know, in Jewish consciousness, that's a big deal. Word of God, I mean, that's how the universe was created. By the Word, right? That's the creative energy, the life force that holds everything together that we see in Jesus, right? His flesh and blood. <clears throat> Today, when I see pictures of the Milky Way, you know, the Hubble telescope or whatever they have now, it's just, it blows my mind because I'm like, that is the creative energy of God on display, the one who brought it all into being. And so when they say Word of God, it, this is the, the nuclear energy that, that brought this whole place and, and it just exists in the, the oceans and the canyons and everything else. That is the Word of God. And that lives in you. Whoa. You have overcome the evil one, he says. How many of you on a regular basis think, it seems like whatever battle I'm in, I'm losing? Right? How many of you watch the news and you think, and, and your first thought is, okay, the score is not in our favor right? But he says, no, you have overcome the evil one. And you may be like, I don't feel like it today. So I want to do something, I want to do something a little different today. And um, I can, so we can see what's going on here, what, what, between, what's going on between this writer and this community uh, involving the power of words to speak directly to somebody. So I want to try something, but I'm going to need your help. And uh, are you ready? Are you willing to help? In. Okay, you said yes. You don't even know what I'm going to do, and you said yes, so that's all I need. Um, so first off, what I, here's what I need. I need three volunteers who are, <clears throat> all you got to do is be comfortable reading in public. Three volunteers uh, who, who you can, you, you're comfortable reading in public. I won't make you do anything else than that. You don't have to dance. or Daniel? Okay, I got one. All right, Daniel, come on up. All right, Alicia, come on up. Anybody, Jeremy? All right, come on up. All right, we got our three, three volunteers. Come from reading in public. <clears throat> you got to bring your public reading voice now. I know you're an actress, so you you can do this. You got to bring it. All right, Academy Award performance. Here. All right, y'all, come on up uh, here. I want you stand right here, and Jeremy, you stand right there. know you stand right there. Okay. Now, I want. I need. I need another volunteer. I need someone who is. Currently, at this time in your life, you're just one person who is parenting small children and if it's like multiple small children, even better. (laughs) All right, Joel, come on up. All right. All right, all right. All right, Joel, come stand over here by by Daniel. Okay. Okay. I need, I need one more volunteer. I need somebody who, uh, right now, you're looking for a job. Uh, you're, maybe you're out of work right now, and so you're looking for a job. And I know that can be kind of frustrating. It's not the the greatest process. Anybody who is, you're, you're looking for a job, and you're really believing the Lord for something like right there. If, if there's nobody looking for a job, what about somebody who you're believing for, you need a financial miracle right now. You're, there's something, whatever's going on, uh, you need, you know, uh, a miracle that, can't just come from your own bank account. You need some kind of financial miracle, anybody, or you're looking for a job. We cannot have 100% employment in this. It's, it's too late, they're a reader. What's that? All right, do I have another person who's a really good reader? Who can take, is this you? Are they pointing to? All right, you want to read? Okay, Wendy, come on up. Great, 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 okay. Okay, Wendy's going to be the reader. You're the job guy. Okay, stand there. Financial guy. Stand there. Now. That's right. Financial guy. Okay. Last volunteer. I need one more volunteer. And this, I need somebody who, um, whatever it is you're going through right now, a a, a health issue. Um, it might be something that's chronic that you know this is just it's just been a battle for a long time. Or it might be something that kind of you just learned about recently, and it can be you know, a little bit, uh, you could feel a little anxious about it, but uh, anything, any, some, kind, some kind of a, a health issue that's really been a, it's, it's a battle, it's a battle, and you, just one volunteer. You won't have to say anything. Ms. Francine, come on up. All right. Wonderful. And you can stand right here, Ms. Francine. Okay. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Let's see. I practiced this in my head, and it was amazing, so no pressure. Um, All right, now let's start over here. First of all, tell everybody who you are in case they don't know you. Francine. Francine, everybody. And tell everybody who your name Alyssa. Alyssa, okay. Now, Francine, just as much as you're comfortable with, can you tell us just kind of what it is you're believing for, what you're going through? Um, Arthritis symptoms in my hands and my feet. Okay. Arthritis. Okay. Okay. A lot of pain. Is that a daily thing? Daily pain. Is there good days, bad days? Yes. Yeah. What's a bad day like? I wake up and I can't move my hand at all. Can't move your hand? Okay. All right. So listen, here's what I want you to do I want you to read this, and you put her name there and just read this to her okay and look you got to bring it all right because you're reading this is a message not only just from you but i want you to like feel like this is a message from god to francine okay amen. and just and just read that oh. Francine your sins have been sent away you know god you are strong the word of god lives in you and you have overcome the evil one amen amen So, the good news of the gospel is that even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't look like it, that something is different. And that who you are is the ones, you you are the person who has overcome. You have already overcome the evil one. Now, imagine there are days when it doesn't look like that. Amen. So the gospel the, is the good news that even when it doesn't look like it, it is true. Amen. Even when it doesn't look like it, it is true. Okay. All right. Let's move here. All right. Tell so everybody your name, in case we don't know. Him. Wendy. Wendy. All right. And your name, sir? Jeremy. Jeremy. Okay. And Jeremy, looking for, is it a job or a financial miracle or what do you? A little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah, but you need God to show up, yeah, you, need, you, need, you need wisdom beyond yourself. I need a lot of wisdom. A lot of wisdom, okay. Okay, all right. So Wendy, I want you to read this to Jeremy. Okay. Okay. I might cry. <laughs> Jeremy. Your sins have been sent away. You know God. You are strong. The Word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Amen. Amen. So, Jeremy, how does that make you feel when you hear those words? Encouraged. Yeah. Yeah, Are those words that are like easy to believe every single day? No. Okay. You'll never guess what you guys are going to do. All right. Let's meet these guys. Hello. What's your name? Daniel. Daniel. And? Joel. Joel. Joel, you're raising kids, right? You and your wife. Happy Father's Day to you. How many children do you have? Three. And they're all little angels and totally just create nothing but peace at home? Not always. Not always. Okay. <laughs> Is that sometimes a, a stressful office to be in, to be a parent? Yeah. Times where you feel like, do you ever feel like, I don't really know what to do here. I, I, I need God to show up. Yeah. So that would put you in the company of 100% of other families, Right. right. Amen. Amen. All right, Daniel, read this to Joel. Joel, your sins have been sent away. You know God. You are strong. The word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Amen. Thank you. Okay. See, some things are true even when they don't feel true. Some things are true even when 100% of our brain is telling us that just can't quite be true. There, there were people in that early church who were sitting there that when they heard your sins are forgiven, there were people who went, my sin, no, they're right here. I'm like, I'm living them every day. There's, there's things that are true even when they don't look true. You might be like any of these folks, and and when you hear you are strong, and you might think, no, 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 I'm weak. Today I'm weak. I'm feeling weak today. But the truth is, and it's not just looking through rose-colored glasses, the truth is you are strong, because the truth is you're not just you, right? If you're in Christ, you aren't just you anymore. The, the greater one lives inside you, right? The, the, the name that is above every name, the name that is above uh, poverty, the name that is above sickness and disease, the name that is above chaos and family drama, the name that is above that, and, and that God lives inside you. And we don't know what tomorrow holds, right? I mean, the Bible even says that. Don't worry about tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow holds. But here's the good news. We know the one who holds tomorrow in his hand. And that God loves you and says, you are strong. And you know me. And the word of God lives in you. Amen? Amen. Give these guys a big hand. Thank you, guys. Okay. There's something going on here. There's something that John is doing in this letter. There's something very profound about what it means to be human in God's good world. When this person speaks to this person or that person speaks to this person, they receive it. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. Sometimes it can even be hard to just fully believe it. But there's, there's something that's very powerful happening here, and this is uh, central to the story of Scripture all through the Bible, and that is this, the Word needs flesh. The Word needs flesh. The ultimate story of Scripture is that the Word becomes flesh and blood. The divine Word, the creative power that formed everything, took on flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. Right? That's Jesus. They called him Jesus. But at the heart of the story is that the word needs flesh. <clears throat> this is why Jesus, when after he rose from the dead and he was ascending to heaven, the last thing he told the disciples wasn't go throughout all the world and print lots of Bibles. He didn't say that. No. He said, now go and be me to everybody, be my hands and feet, be my words. To everybody throughout the nations, which makes sense. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you have had a really hard day and you looked up at the sky and you saw the clouds written that encouraging message that you needed? In the clouds was written, you are loved, right? Unless Elon Musk is your boyfriend, that probably isn't happening to you, right? That's probably not happening, and sure, we have those moments where, you know, we get a sense of God's love. You know, maybe we see a sunset or something beautiful or that little gentle breeze caresses our cheek and we're like, oh, just reminded it was like a kiss from the Spirit. But ordinarily, most of the time, and the way it's actually supposed to work, is that uh, the, the, the Word takes on flesh, That's how it's supposed to happen by God's design. As the Word takes on flesh, it takes on flesh and blood. And it comes to us through somebody else. That's how it works. These are the truths about who we are. And the way they come to us is through somebody. The Word needs flesh and blood. That is how it works. And so when you speak these sort of true things to each other, I know you're weak, but you're strong. I know... It's confusing. I know it's painful, but you're strong. The Word lives in you. I know you feel this guilt and this shame, but your sins have been sent away, right? When we say those things, that is divine God Himself flowing through flesh and blood. That's how it works. The Word, the word needs flesh. And so that's why John does this. Right in the middle, right in this letter… He had, because I can imagine John is thinking, okay, there's probably a chance someone in this church that I'm writing to is feeling a little discouraged. There's a chance there because like we said, there's probably, there was a controversy going on, some kind of, some kind of split or something like that. And John's like, okay, hold on. Things could get too intellectual here. We could get over, all, go through all the Greek words here, but I want to slow down and make sure you understand. And I'm going to do it in poetry because sometimes that's just more powerful than the prose, right? You got to do it. Here's why I'm writing you because your sins aren't here anymore because the word of God dwells in you because you're strong and you've known him from the beginning because you have overcome the evil one regardless of how it feels so ordinary this and look this isn't he's not talking to just the paid professional holy men right these aren't just the people in ministry this is all of us All of us, flawed people like you and me, just like every person on this stage, he's talking to all of us. We are vessels of this divine truth. And you realize that even when you were, you know, you're there and you're watching them, um, we realize there's something going on and there's something going on kind of, you could tell, you know, some, some of them, what was going on in their mind, there's way more going on than just on the surface, Right? Some people you can see in their eyes, and when you speak to them, when you encourage them, you can see in their eyes. Sometimes you can see a battle to believe what it is you're telling them. Um, There's a movie uh, that came out, it was a long time ago, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, called Blood Diamond. Anybody ever seen it? Okay, some of you have seen it. If you haven't seen it, um, I'm about to spoil it, so I'm sorry. Um, but in the movie, it takes place in this African village, and uh, there's this family of father, mother, and kids, and these rebel soldiers come through the village, and they're sort of looting and pillaging and all this, and they take this young boy of the family hostage. Basically, they kidnap him, and they take him back to their camp, and they essentially brainwash him. They, they, they turn him into a child soldier. And they tell him that he is he is violent and dangerous, and this is what he is made for. That he is an instrument of killing. And they give him a gun and they teach him how to kill people. And this this young, beautiful, sweet, innocent boy is corrupted by soldiers who train him to be a killing machine. And the movie, in the movie, the father sets out to find his boy. And so the movie is the father. He's hunting and searching. For his long lost boy, he's finding all these clues. He finds one person after another who gives, gets him closer and closer to figure out where he went, where he is. And the whole time he's searching, the whole time, all these obstacles that he's having to go through, the boy is getting more and more just corrupted. More and more messages are being sent to him about who he is and how he's a bad boy and he's violent. And dangerous, and he's a killer, and he needs to use his gun to, you know, vanquish the enemy. And as the father encounters obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, at the end of the movie, the father, along with Leonardo DiCaprio, because you know sometimes that happens, there's this scene at the end of the movie, where the father finally meets up with his son, who who has been so profoundly just violated and corrupted, that that there's he has a gun, and the father realizes in this moment, that the boy with the gun is his son. The gospel is this announcement of who you really are, of what is true about you. And, And what happens there in the jungle is the son has been sent all of these messages about who he is. He's been thoroughly turned upside down and inside out. and He's confused about his identity. And when the father is facing him and that son is holding that gun on him, And he says to him, you are my son. You're not a bad boy. You're a good boy. Your mother waits by the fire cooking plantains. You like soccer. And the cows are waiting. And you can see, even as he's telling him, you will be my son again, you can see there's like this massive dissonance going on in the boy's head. Who am I? Who do I trust? What about all the things that have been said to me, the awful things? What about all the awful things he may have already done? And he just begins to melt because of the clear, pure, simple declaration of the Father to the Son of what is true about him. Regardless of the thousands of messages, you are strong. You are strong. You may have bad days, but you are strong. You may have days where you have no energy for those kids but you are strong because God loves you, and he has declared you strong. He has declared you his own. Perhaps we could say it like this in just a real clear, simple way. There's lots and lots of things in life are really, really hard, and God made us to need people to speak the truth to us. He made us this way. And many of us, what we need is just kind of the boldness to go up to someone and say to somebody, could you just please tell me the things that are true about me? Because I've got a whole bunch of other voices rattling around in my head. Is there anybody today who you need strong, truthful words spoken about you? Is there somebody here who you are convinced that your sins are still here And someone needs to say to you, your sins have been sent away. They've been sent away. Is there anybody who feels unworthy, who feels like God is distant or detached, or maybe even that God is just furious with you, and He just, for some reason, just particularly doesn't like you? And what you need is a community of people all around you to look in the eyes and say, you are strong, you have overcome, your sins are forgiven and that's the church. The church is the body of Christ. And we are here to remind you, you know God, and God knows you, and the Word of God lives inside you. That's what the church is for. If you're here today, and you need just us to declare these words to you, I just want you to stand to your feet, just where you're at, whatever it is You're not going to have to come up here or do anything. Just stand up. And we're all going to speak these words. We're all going to speak these words together. If that's you, just stand up. Amen. I'm standing for these words because I need these spoken to me. Amen. So here's what we're going to do, just the rest of us, as we sit here. We're just going to declare this. This is true. All right? And those of you who are standing, just receive it. We're speaking this to you as your brothers and sisters, in Jesus' name. Your sins have been sent away. You know God. You are strong. The Word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. And receive that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, we come to these outrageous, bold, unvarnished claims in this poem written by John to us hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And Lord, we see ourselves in this passage. Lord, we... Our, we know our own need to be told that we are strong when we are weak, to be told that these things are true even if it doesn't feel true, because, God, we can become so easily distracted. We become easily deceived, and we fall into despair, Father. So we ask today to be overwhelmed this morning with a gospel announcement of who we are in Christ, of what has been done, of a victory that spills over into the present, not into our future. As we speak to each other, Lord God, and hear your word take on flesh in this healing declaration spoken through our brothers and sisters. God, I ask for those here who have, who have lost their hope or their faith. Lord, for those who are battling addiction today, or for those, Lord God, who are trying to raise kids and it is hard we ask for those who are, who are looking for a job or who need a financial miracle, Lord God. We ask for those waiting desperately for a cure, for relief in their bodies. Open our ears to the truth that transforms. And for all of this, we are grateful. We pray this in the name of the crucified and resurrected Son, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Would you all stand to your feet with me today? Hallelujah. Our prayer partners are coming forward now. If there's anything you need prayer about, anything at all, I encourage you to come and let these guys pray with you. If you need someone to look you in the eye and remind you, you are strong. You know God. And even better yet, God knows you. Come forward and let these guys pray with you and stand in faith with you. If you want to say yes to Jesus today for the very, very first time, hallelujah, this will be a great time to do it. Amen. To all of our fathers, again, we say thank you so much for all that you do, not only for your children, but for, for our community. And uh, we hope you have a wonderful day. We hope you have the best Father's Day ever. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and be merciful to you in this day that we're living in. Grace and peace. Bye-bye.